When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right now, then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of WCW Retro. I am, of course, your interim um, host, filling in for Stromaestro. My name is Howard Morgan. Um, I'll be joined by uh, Chaz Moretti and Ratboy here in just a second. Um, we have a lot to talk about tonight, a lot of topics we can go over. I don't know how many we're going to actually get to. Uh, if you want to be part of the discussion, add your two cents, add your comments, or whatever you want to call it. You can log in on any streaming device, your smartphone, your laptop, tablet, simply going to callvoc.com and follow the prompts and they'll get you into um, the studio here and we can talk with you and discuss some wrestling. It's been an interesting last week or week and a half. Um, And of course, we'll be getting into a lot of different topics here, Um, but um, Right now, I just want to bring in uh, Chaz Moretti, buddy. How you doing tonight, Chaz? I'm good, Howard. How are you? I'm I'm doing well, man. You know, better than I deserve. Well, that's good. How are you feeling? Eh, feeling good. You know, trying to get through winter time and make uh, keep making the progress that I'm making, and you know, get back to normal. Yeah, I I can't wait to drive to work in the dark and come home in the dark is over. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I need more sunlight. I, I need to get out. I need to stop getting dark at, you know, 4.30, 4.45. Um, I hear you. You know, and just, you know, just get on with it. Um, um, I have a lot to talk about. Not sure where we're going to start. Um, but welcome back to New Jersey. Um, the one and only rap boy. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Boy, it's cold up here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm watching my room. It's all cold. <laughs> I'm sure it is. It's colder than where you were. I know, but sure. I, I tell you, I tell you what, it was a beautiful plane ride back. Not I could, many people say that coming back to New Jersey, but okay. It was, it was beautiful <laughs> because it was, it was above the cloud and you could see a rainbow all the way to New Jersey. Oh, Wow. That that had to be a mistake. They probably put it in the wrong spot. 
maybe. But I want to, I want to tell you one thing because I didn't tell nobody this on uh, Tuesday night. Okay, on uh, in the room. Okay, I had a wonderful time at Monday Night Raw there. Good. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed and, it. And I want to say one thing, okay? It's a lot different on TV. A very lot different. So would would you prefer to watch it live <laughs> or watch it on TV? To me, it's got to be I got to watch it on TV. I see. I'm just the opposite. I, I, uh, I want to see it live. What, what is that? It was my first live show. Two okay. roles. And right. I see this stuff go behind the scene. What's going on? You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And I don't want to see that. I want to see it on TV. Sure, sure. Listen, you know, everybody's got their preference. I, I happen to like live show. The going to a live show. Um, I do enjoy watching it. You know, as much as I can on TV. Yeah. Um, but you know, everybody's you know got their own opinion, and 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 that's great. Um. Got a lot to talk about tonight, Chaz. Where where, where do you want to get started at? What, what's, what's well, I'm, I don't, I'm open. You guys go ahead. I'll follow along. All right. So Netflix signs this deal with WWE to bring it to, um, you know, a, a different platform, if you will. Um, and I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember who it was. And, um, it brought up an, uh, an interesting um, point of where, I guess, you know, wrestling is, is headed. Um, and they said that uh, wrestling on, you know, what I'll call regular television, cable television, seems to be moving away from that. It seems like we are moving into a world of streaming services um, and buying it you know, or paying a subscription to either Netflix, Hulu, you know, Amazon Prime, you know, whatever it, it is. Um, Chaz, you, you think that's a, a positive or a negative for the business, at, you know, as a whole? I don't think it's anything new, to be honest, because, you know, back in the 70s and early 80s, you had Madison Square Garden Network. You had wrestling. Uh, HBO. So, I mean, that was like, you know, oh, they, they took it off the UHF and put it on here. I mean, it's not that new a concept. And HBO Max has already started airing uh, live soccer games from the U.S. men's national team, UN's, U.S. women's national team. I think people are, I think what happened is the average consumer is getting sick of cable. You know, with the monopoly, with the monopolies that certain companies have over certain areas, and they're just charging outrageous prices. I mean, cable in Chicago right now, uh, with the modem with two lines, cable's two hundred and eighty dollars a month. I mean, are you joking me? Wow! Well, by the time and, you and get done paying all the taxes, right? By the time and, you get done paying all the taxes, you're at two eighty three a month. I, I mean, come on, you can stream, you can stream seven different sub, uh, subscription services for less than that. So, right. I mean. And, yeah. I don't know. It's it's no different than what it used to when cable first started. Right. When cable and, and, first started, it was the be all end all. Oh God, you get right. to see live from Madison Square Garden or live from the Spectrum. And yeah. now it's like, all right, well, now you'll see Raw live on 
Netflix or, um, I mean, you look at the, you know, is it the, the question I have is, is it the end of the WWE network on Peacock? That's my that's, question. Well, you're, and that's kind of where I was saying, like, is it the end of the Peacock? You know, is it? And in fact, it was, I was listening to um, Eric Bischoff. He was the one that was talking about the Netflix deal and, you know, the, what I'll call the death of wrestling on cable television. Um, and he brought up th- that point, you know, and he said, there's a like studies or, or whatever out there that says that, you know, all of everything that's on the WWE library through Peacock, I think yep. 70, 75 to 80% of the people are watching really just the premium live events. They're not watching. I like watching the old, Mid-South and, and the old, you know, Mid-Atlantic stuff and, you know, I mean, I gotta be CW, but not everybody's doing it. I got to be honest, Raw and SmackDown bore the hell out of me sometimes. Right. I mean, yeah, I watch yeah. about five minutes of it and turn it off. It's about all I can take. Yeah, but, but, but if you go to Peacock, okay, it's a couple other shows behind. Yeah, but even on Peacock, I'm not watching Raw and SmackDown. I'm right. watching... Stuff from the garden from 1978. Uh, yeah, I'm watching WWF old school. Um, mm. you know, and I'm watching the territories, I'm watching the old AWA stuff, but that's I not mean, we're not in the majority when, when it comes to that. No, but here's a, here's a, another problem that leads to all this right now. The booking in both major companies is so predictable that you can do a social experiment. You could stop watching WWE programming from now until the elimination chamber and you'll still know the basic storylines. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and I got to say, I, I watched, I actually watched raw live. Um, I caught, uh, I, I caught it a couple minutes late, but because I was recording and I was able to kind of catch up and the first probably 45 or 50 minutes of raw was great. Like, I, you know, the promo between Sam Punk and McIntyre was, yep. was great. I think McIntyre is doing a fantastic job establishing himself, not only as a heel, but the heel in WWE. And then they had the match between Uso and, and Bronson Reed. I'm like, this is how you follow that up. This, th- this, and, and then the last, Probably 20 minutes of 15, 20 minutes of which Sami Zayn and Drew McIntyre was phenomenal. But that hour and 20 minutes in between was horrible. And I don't know how they get it kind of right in the beginning, mess up the middle, and then kind of get it right at the end. The reason the reason I think is at the beginning is the continuation or the further development of a major storyline. The middle is where they're trying to establish people. Right. And again, at at the risk of sounding overly bitter and critical, a lot of these mid-card and low-card guys suck. Okay? They're just just not talented. I'm sorry. Bronson Reed doesn't do a damn thing for me. No. Another fat guy in tights. Right. And and it could have been, you know, not taking anything away from Jay Uso, it could have been anybody else, but Bronson just doesn't doesn't do it for me. I mean, you know? 
I, I blame I blame the writing for the problem with the with the bloodline. They've been forced down our throats now for the better part of a decade. Roman Reigns, especially. Yeah. The guy can't get over by himself. Never could. No, it's nothing against him. He doesn't have the personality. Right. Okay. He doesn't have the personality that his father had. All right. Doesn't have the personality that his uncles and cousins had. Doesn't have the personality that the high chief Peter might be ahead. He's a great athlete, but he doesn't yeah. have that charisma. Yeah, no, and anybody can have charisma when they're forced down your throat. Right. His, his in ring work is good. I mean, I'll watch the match, but yeah. How many times you have to hear, I mean, and Heyman's gotten to be a joke. Okay. Yeah. How many times you got to hear this? Here again, excuse my language. This bullshit, uh, oh my tribal chief nonsense, dude. Get over it. Yeah, I mean, it's stupid. You know, if you look at it according to Samoan tradition, he's nowhere near the head of the table. Apa and Sika are still alive, right? The rock is older than him. Rikishi's older than the uh, Rock. I was going to say, Rikishi's still here. I mean, uh, Samo is still around. You know, so many guys in that family that are higher up age-wise on the pecking order. I mean, if, if you're any type of, uh, of fan that watches with somewhat of a critical eye, you can pick this stuff apart all day long. Right. And it's like, whatever. You know, and the Usos, all right. Were they victims of circumstance? Probably. But again, those two kids, if you had to put them, if we had to do an old school fantasy match like we used to do with Stroll, and you put the Usos up against the head shrinkers, it's no contest. Head shrinkers all day long. Yeah, all day, every day. I mean, the current product, because they're appealing to the internet wrestling community, which again is a fucking joke in and of itself. Um, you got a bunch of guys in tights all trying to outdo each other with moves, but no psychology. Nothing to hang your head on. Right. Ron Breaker, you can hang your head on that kid. He's legit. His psychology backs up his story. Uh, why are the why is the girls rumble so much better than the guys? Because they bring characterization into it. Every girl had a story. Yeah. Yeah, there ain't that many of them. That's why. What? But it's not only that though, Rap Boy, even the ones that they brought in carried stories with them. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, Jordan Grace came in not as an unknown. If you follow wrestling, you know who Jordan Grace is. Right. Okay. If you follow wrestling, you know who Trinity Fatu is, Naomi. Yep. All right. So those are. Well, I knew that Naomi was going to be in it, you know. I'm saying those, those are considered now outside talents that you know what they can do. You know, you take those two, you take those two ladies against Nia Jax, who's being forced down your throat. For the 135th time. And who was more over? 
Jordan Grace was more over. And Nia Jax was. Yeah. Again, the problem is, the problem for me with programming is that they're not allowing the organic development of character. They're telling you who you're going to like and not like. And before you know it, you're going to turn off, like you said, you're going to turn off the old school fan who doesn't like that. You're going to turn off the casual fan who doesn't care one way or the other. And what are you left with? A bunch of neck beards sitting in their mama's basement. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to predict what's happening next. (laughs) And I'll tell you something, if it keeps going the way it's going, within 10 years, you won't have professional wrestling as we knew it. That's true. That's true. Nothing for us to talk about on this show. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and and I like, you know, I, I, I like it, you know, I think Netflix, you know, will gain, you know, subscribers for this. I think it's good for Netflix. Um, but yeah, it just, I think the, the overall product needs an overhaul. And we hit on this a little bit on, on Tuesday night. I, I just think because of there really only being really two big companies, two big major companies, um, and one kind of minor company there a little bit, they're, they're just too big. There's too many. Um, you know, I brought up back in, you know, the, the heyday of, of Crockett promotions in through the 80 or, you know, 83 to 87 ish. They only had about 30 male wrestlers on their roster, give or take, you know, they had their main five or six top guys. They had their middle, middle card guys. And then, you know, they, they had all, you know, all, all of the, the journeyman there and, and it worked less was more. You got more out of those guys week to week and you saw them every week or you saw them every other week. Um, and, you know, Ric Flair was truly out defending his title every week, every night of every day. Um, and, you know, they had, you know, lower, lower card titles and they had, you know, that group of guys that battled for them titles, um, you know, and then they had the, the heavyweight title, you know, and that was, you know, Ric Flair, Dusty, you know, Magnum TA, Nikita Koloff, Harley Race, you know, and they they just did a lot more with with you know a tenth of what WWE has now. Yeah, but you I had think, a territory system. Right, so, right. So yeah, guys right. that are developed that guys that they're developing in places like NXT and AEW, because let's be honest, with the exception of maybe what, four or five guys, AEW is a training course at best. Okay. Yeah. You don't have the territories anymore to, to build these guys. You right. damn sure don't have old school promoters that give a shit about the business. Those days are gone. You got a bunch right. of guys now that are just trying to make a quick buck and screw over talent and screw over sponsors and the fans and whatnot. I mean, look at this debacle that they had at the new Mid-South. Uh, not pro wrestling mid-south, not Greg Anthony's mid-south, some other mid-south um, down in Alabama where they booked they booked a girl as Dark Journey, only they spelled her name with a C instead of a K and said that she was Linda Newton's niece, and she wasn't. And they're selling tickets based off a of gimmick infringement. Right. Instead of developing yeah. talent, 
Now they got to infringe on those that have been before. I mean, everybody that knows me knows my socials got hacked. Right. If you're any kind of smart, you know my real name now, which is nonsense to me because I hated having to break the fourth wall. But again, let's be honest. There has never been another Chaz Moretti. There never will be another Chaz Moretti. Nope. I developed that character from scratch over 14 years of busting my ass. Traveling, small shows, large shows, pay-per-views, non-pay-per-views, overseas. But I developed an organic character. I'm not bragging when I say that I could have stepped back. If I could have stepped back 30 years with this character, I'd be bigger than Jim Cornette and J.J. Dillon. Because <laughs> I had the, I had what it, I understood what it took, right, to be an, uh, a true manager. Okay, right. But now let's take a look at what they're calling managers right now, with the exception of MVP. Can you and and the retreads that are still at AEW, which none of them are managers, by the way. Um. Uh, much as I love Arn, much as I love Jake the Snake, they're not managers. No. Okay. No. They're, they're mentors, but they're not they're managers. Mentors, they're not man. They're getting trotted out. It's like whatever. Right. Right. But the problem is the system that was in place since the turn of the century, since not the turn of the two thousand century, but since the turn of the century from eighteen hundred to nineteen hundred. All of a sudden, this modern generation, because they're so smart that, you know, they re that they invent things every day that have been around for a hundred fucking years. <laughs> okay. But they're so smart. All we need just to do, get our stuff in. We just need to show you what we can do and how we can fly and how we can work together. It's not wrestling. There's no conflict. There's no good versus evil. Right. There's no who's going to win this title. Now, the next, once I get my leg and I'm up and, and mobile again, the first guy that I hear go, who are they going to put the belt on? It's going to get <laughs> fucking throat punched. Okay. You know, you know I say to that? I come up there and you put the belt on me. That's your order fan boo for me, you know? I'm just saying, what, I, what I'm saying is, though, the whole mindset is gone. Yeah. The whole mindset of what made professional wrestling successful since the carnival days is all gone. You yep. got guys that are trying to hold it together while still, quote unquote, evolving, like Triple H, who's doing a hell of a job at WWE. But, Again, can you name me other than, and I'm only going to be able to name a couple of promoters nationwide that are doing any type of, of real development. Greg Anthony's one of them. Uh, Mike Beetle down in Louisiana is another. Al Snow. Al Snow was doing a great job with, uh, with OBW. Rudy Gonzalez out on the West Coast of a hell of a job. <coughs> um. You know, Paul Roma and Mario Mancini over at Paradise Alley Pro. ECWA in your backyard, Rat Boy, does a hell of a job with developing talent. Yeah. yeah. But, but these are all old school mentality guys. 
you look over the years, the guys that came out of ECWA, they were just phenomenal. They didn't get signed, but they were phenomenal talents. Greek god Papadon comes to mind. Guy was awesome. Yeah. I mean, you look at Megan Bain right now doing that Megasis gimmick. Phenomenal. Japanese love her. Okay, but when your emphasis and where it's been the last five, six years is on bringing in athletes that don't know shit about professional wrestling, you're going to get this kind of cookie cutter nonsense. You're going to they're going to put them in a costume, give them a stupid name, no yep. story, no nothing, and throw them in there. And it's not the talent's fault. No, no, yeah. So you can't really blame the talent for some things. You know, they're you really just the doing what they're told to do. Not studying history. Right. Okay. And you can blame the talent for not studying their history. You know, there's a young kid that's doing a, a nice job at NXT, Tony DeVito, who I've known since he started out in the Indies in Chicago. Okay, he's doing a good job. Uh, what do you think he's doing a good job, too? Um, they got rid of him. Back, back in the day, uh, who was the clown, uh, Corny, whatever his name was? Kazarni? Uh, Frank the Clown. Yeah. Yeah, Frank's a good kid. Frank's working indie still in Chicago area. He's a good kid. He understands his gimmick and, and what his and what his role is. You know, mm -hmm. did he get a nice little push by by dating Noel Foley for a bit? Sure. Sure, but yeah. It was intentional, to be honest, because those two actually like each other. I don't think that was intentional. But, you know, you, you get others that are just here. I mean, you get others that are just being pushed for the sake of being pushed. I said it once, and I'll say it again. Jade Cargill is the drizzling shits. Oh, Horrible. Terrible, yeah. Terrible. Okay? She's robotic in the ring. She's got no personality, and she's still pulling the race card. I'm sorry. You suck. I don't care what kind of a six-pack, 12-pack biceps you got you suck <laughs> they put her in with somebody that was suckier than she was with nia Jax. they both <laughs> sucked yeah but but they are they are gonna they're they will start just just like they're doing with nia and right they'll be they'll jam her down everybody's throat to try to get people behind her and whether she's you know good or bad they're they're, they're going to just keep I mean, driving it and driving it and driving it they, jam they jammed Ronda Rousey down your throat for a couple of years, but at least she could move. Right. Given the background and the judo background, she knew how, what the hell she was doing. Yeah. You know, Shayna Baszler's nothing to write home about, but she knows what she's doing. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, I was going to say, yeah, Shayna Baszler's cut from that same mold. She's okay. And, you know, and she can get around. But she's but, believable. Know, right. She's right. She's right. Her background makes her believable. Right. She's got credibility. I mean, you can have all the Booker T if you want backing you up. If you suck, you still suck. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, why isn't Booker training her down at his place in Texas? You know? Yeah. She hasn't gotten a call up. Uh, she hasn't gotten a call up to NXT yet. Now they're claiming, oh, look, they're going to uh, debut her at WrestleMania. Okay. Where? Third match from the start, barrier in the bottom of the show on the first day or the second day. And again, who gives a shit? She sucks. Right. Yeah, it doesn't change who she is. 
No matter where you put her. And on the guy's side, there's guys out there that no matter what they call them, what they name them, they still suck. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest about it. Good kids, great athletes, but they're not. If you had to, if you had to put a picture of a particular talent up with just their name, like they had the old promo shots, right? Mm-hmm. Would you pay 30 bucks to see this guy? And if the answer doesn't readily come to mind as being yes, then pass. Right. But again, where are they going to send these kids to? If they don't work in NXT, they don't work in the WWE, or they don't work in AEW or ROH, where are they going to go? Work for Billy Corgan? Sure. So you're going to make Billy Corgan have 300 pieces of talent. Right. Without a, without a territory system. The Indies, forget it. The Indies are all shit. And the reason why they're all shit is because you don't have, in a lot of states, you no longer have the State Athletic Commission. So any moron can run an indie show. Right, yeah. Anybody can call themselves a promoter. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I promoted a show last July called The Night to Remember as w- with WAW North America. That show took a few hits behind the scenes because of some bullshit sabotage that went on. But it all came out to light later on. Why was there sabotage in that show? Because I was doing things right. These little indie douchebags were afraid that I was going to do better than they did. Okay, so they made lies up to try to prove me wrong. And they still couldn't prove me wrong. Now, will I? I don't know. I mean, I've got a date in mind, but I don't know if I'm going to run again. Because is it worth it? I mean, is it really worth it when when you're looking at what's at the top of our business and it's nothing really to write home about? Like like you said earlier in the show, um, people aren't, Bishop said, people aren't watching the weeklies. They're watching only the premium events. Right. So that's all that holds your interest. Yeah. In the premium event, the title still means something. In the premium event, winning a Royal Rumble to get a title shot still means something. But in Raw or SmackDown or Collision or Dynamite, I mean, they'll, they'll show you what? In the course of a three-hour show, you'll see maybe ten matches, nine matches. Yeah, if you get that many. I think it's been average about six garbage? or eight. Yeah. But and three quarters of them are garbage. So I mean the problem is, in my estimation, are we ever gonna get the old ways back? And the answer is no. Yeah, no. It, it, the old days are gone. No. They're on life support now and they're and it's slowly dying. They don't want guys like they don't want guys like Chris and myself around. Guys that are old school, guys that have been around, been fans since the 60s, been around the game for 15, 20, 25 years. They don't want us around because we remind them of a time that was better than what they are. Right. You're stealing their thunder. You're and stealing their spotlight. And, and it's true. You got to have a very true. Problem is, I can walk out. Well, I can't walk out right now. 
when I was able to, I can walk out through a curtain, no matter what promotion, no matter what country, people sat up and took notice. Why? Because I made them take notice. Right. I made them believe in the character that I was presenting. Right. Oh, it's you know, a- it, it reminds me like when they when they did the old interviews, you know, <clears throat> even in the old WWF or, or the old NWA, you know, when they would bring, you know, the Russians out, Ivan and Nikita Koloff, all they didn't have to say a word when they first came out. They were all they were instantly hated. They didn't have to say two words. They didn't have to bash the United States. They didn't have to run down every American in here, talk about how Russia's number one. They generated that kind of heat that you know that's 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 what they did you know even when when ted dibiase was his million dollar man all he had to do was come out and stand there before the interview even started with you know mean gene holding the mic you knew you hated this guy because he thought he was so much better than you and he presented that very very well you know he didn't have to say two words but how many guys nowadays are generating heat I mean, not, not organically, no. Reigns to me does not generate any type of real heat. None. The, the, the only one I can say that that's remotely generating, a, you know, a, a good amount of heat without saying anything is, is Dominic Mysterio. And a lot because of the history between him and his dad and, and betraying his dad. As soon as they hand him the mic, that place erupts. You can't even hear him. And he hasn't said anything yet. Right. Yep. He's yep. just standing. But again, look at who his dad is. Look at who his his background was, with, you know, being around, you know, his dad and Eddie Guerrero and, you know, all of those older guys. The only that knew one, the business. The only one right now, in my opinion, that is generating just nuclear heat without having to have a pedigree, without any type of nepotism. Is Logan Paul? Yeah, is it working? Wait, 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 there's another one. There's another one. Jay Uso. He he, you know, he had a face jumping. Yeah, but, 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 but Logan Paul. Logan Paul doesn't have any other ties to the business like Uso, which I had the saying. Uso's got other yeah. ties to the business. Logan Paul came out of one combat sport to an out of YouTube, out of another area, in into the WWE and people hating. All right. Be, be, before the show started. Okay. JF, MJF. Jenner, yeah. yeah. Had kids. The kid is the next coming of Nick Bockwinkle. Yes, he is. Okay. <laughs> before the show started. Okay. At Raw in Tampa. Pat McAfee stood out on stage. Right. He drew a lot of heat there. But again. Goofball. Pat McAfee's a joke. I can't, yeah, I can't. Okay, I mean the guy is a joke. Let's be honest about it. What did Pat McAfee accomplish in the NFL? He was a friggin' field goal kicker. <laughs> Put it yeah. this way, he didn't do nothing yet. But, but it was his hometown. It was his hometown, Tampa, Florida. My point is, though, Rat Boy, are you? Here's what we were taught. This is what I was taught by. Paul Ellering and Ted DiBiase when I 
was on when I was speaking with them and under the learning tree. Yeah. If you look at someone in professional wrestling, Al Snow said this too, which is why Al Snow does not like guys walking around the ring during their entrance. Okay. If you take a look at a guy that's in professional wrestling and you don't believe that he could take you in a street fight in a dark alley, what is that guy doing out there? Hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. I got to you. Now. Even guys that weren't monsters, guys like Bob Roop. Bob Roop would kick your ass if you had him in a street fight. At least that's the way he made you think. Yeah. Johnny Valentine. Johnny Valentine once says, I can't prove to you that wrestling isn't fake, but I can prove to you that I'm not. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I, heard, I, I heard that saying before, you know. I mean, but. You, well, look at, look at, listen, Terry Funk was not, you know, a, a massive guy. He, for all intents and purposes, for his day, he was a little bit above average in build. But I would not want to get on the wrong side of Terry Funk. Whether he could take me or not, look, look at, look he, at he, he made me believe that he, he could tear my head off if he wanted to. But look at Terry in the movies, though. He always played hard asses. Uh, right, always, right. Always played a, a tough, bad guy kind of character. Terry was never a leading was never a leading actor. He didn't need to be. No. Okay, but you know you get. Let's put it this way: when Hogan first came out as Hogan in '81, you took a look and like, holy shit, look at this guy! Right? He was big and he was nasty and he was mean. And the only guy that you actually believed could do anything to Hogan was Andre. Right. Okay, but you look at some of these kids that come out, and I'm not bashing these kids, but you look at some of these kids that come out that are five eight, a buck forty five. First thing I do, I can kick your ass. So why am I paying fifty to fifteen hundred dollars to see you wrestle when I don't believe that you're tough? Right. When I don't believe that you're larger than life. That's just, I mean, that's the problem with being more inclusionary. You water down the product. And you water it down badly. Right. No, absolutely. And, and, and I think that's kind of, you know, the, the ongoing issue here is it's a very watered down product that, you know, a, a lot of these younger kids, they don't, and this is not necessarily their fault. I'm talking performers and wrestlers and and fans alike they don't know any better because they don't have that teaching um that you know that a lot of their the veterans went through that you know that are now i mean getting older and 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 out of the business and i don't know if it's the kids don't want to listen to them don't want to hear them but i hear i heard stories all the time about young guys coming into the mid-south territory and Go having to go to Ernie Ladd and just sit and listen to whatever Ernie Ladd told you to do, you now, know. And, yeah, but you got these young kids now that are, uh, you know, they don't study film. They don't study no. anything. Nope, nope, nope. Because uh, I was sitting next to uh, some young kids, right? They're about in their 25, 26, right? Talking to them. I said, you ever heard of uh, Big John Stud? No. 
King Kong Bundy, no. I said, go back and watch that kind of stuff. They don't watch that stuff. They, right? they, yeah, they no. won't. Nope. All right. So yeah, because they won't. because it's boring to them. It's yeah, boring they, they, wrestling. They, 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 they said, who's that? Who's that? Let's no? A kid that's 21 years old in 2024 was born in 2003, which means they missed not only the two golden ages of wrestling, not only the rock and wrestling connection, not only the attitude era. Okay, they don't know. They no, don't any no. for 2008. Don't you know what's today? You know. Not right, yesterday. Right. What you gotta watch yesterday's stuff, you know? Not today's. I mean it's, right. it's any sport. Look at football. A lot of these kids don't have a clue. They're like, oh, you see how Justin Fields can take off with the ball and and uh Jackson and these guys, they all take off with the ball. I'm sorry, Fran Tarkington was doing that shit 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Right, and I told everybody, okay, back me up on this, okay, anybody. The Eagles did win a playoff game, but they didn't call it the NFL at the time. Right. Yeah, okay? yeah it wasn't a Super Bowl at that time, yes. Right, and they said, they said no, Eagles never went to no Super Bowl, no, no championship games. They went, go back. They went go back. win. They went twice, and they didn't win. And the first time was in '83 against the Raiders. Right, that was the first Super Bowl. They they do have an NFL championship, right. but it wasn't the Super Bowl at that right. time. Right, it wasn't but, the Super Bowl at the time. Right. But and yeah, the, these these kids watching this product today, and football is a great example. They have no idea the amount of rule changes that went into effect to protect guys from guys like you know Dick Buckus and Howie Long. You know, and Ronnie Lott, and you know all these other guys that Singletary, played. Singletary, break your right, face mask. Right, yeah, Mike Singletary. Like these, these were legitimately bad dudes that played football. Right, just like Ron Simmons. Damn, I said his name, Ron Simmons. He played for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, here, Sammy Zane is a perfect example of a guy that can that can cross the barriers between eras. But where did he learn it? He learned it at Chikara. Right. Okay, where else did he learn? Other while he was what did he do while he was at Chikara? He was under a mask as El Generico. Okay? Learning how to develop a generic character. Right. <laughs> that of course allowed him to translate that type of character to any name he could be using. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean and again, it's not their fault that if they weren't educated. It is their fault if they refuse to learn. Correct. Yes. Yes. And 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 I watched that that wrestler program with Al Snow and OVW, and there was a, and I don't remember exactly what episodes they were, but these guys were coming to Al Snow with ideas, and they would say, "Hey, this is what I want to do." Blah blah blah. And I'll be like, "No, we're not doing that." Well, why? It look cool. He's like. It just doesn't make sense. There's no need for it. Well, you know, I got to, no, no, we're not doing that. You know, come back to me with a better idea. When they were cutting their yeah, promos, yeah, I, they would do I their think, promos over, I think that was over and over three. again. I think that was episode three. Right. They would work on their promos until they, they got it right. I mean, listen, they did it back in the, 
you know, in, in the, in the territory days, I'm listening to, you know, Jim Cornette, you know, talk about, you know, having to go down to Atlanta, you know, to take, and you'd be there for six, seven, eight hours working on your promo until you got it right. Bill Watts was the same way. You showed up at the studio, you worked on your promo till you got it right until everybody believed it. Vince, now these guys got everything written for them, and it literally looks like they're reading from a cue card. Finkel were in charge of cuts. They were in charge of promos. Okay? Right. These guys would go in there with me and Gene and Howard Finkel doing the directing. And cut number one for Birmingham, Alabama. Look at Mean Gene's outtakes, the bloopers. Oh. <laughs> oh. But it goes to show you what it took to to cut proper promos back then. There, there's a there's about a I think it's five or six minutes long. It's nothing but bloopers of Mean Gene interviewing Kamala at the time. That is probably some of the funniest stuff. Jim Harris was a hell of a seen. Oh, it was so so funny because he would he would just come in and out of character just so well, yeah. fast. He's just a uh, uh, yeah, well, Kamala. What's this shit about you missing interviews? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I tell you what, I tell you what, that Kamala guy, he knows how to sing. Put well, it that way. And the cool, fun on, part about those, about those bloopers was, he says, uh, "Didn't you get the uh, the memo?" He says, "Why yeah, yeah. English?" Right. right. <laughs> But Kamala was one of the guys that, that I mean, when I was younger, I'm scared the hell out of me yeah. because I, I believed it. And, and you know, it Did goes you back to his Larry ability Shreve to give an interview. What's that? Did you ever hear Larry Shreve give an interview? No. Oh, you did. Abdullah the Butcher. As oh, as my gosh. As yes. Larry <laughs> Shreve, he talked all day long. I can't. I got his job. Well, the, the barbecue shop years ago, you know, back in 2011, his uh, restaurant. Look at Frank. Bruce me, me, me and Freddie were there. Um, Namar, Bruce, Bruce Wood, we all went went over there in a, in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Frank Goodish. Frank Goodish was a journalist. Guy was highly intelligent, very articulate. And George Animal Steel. Sure. Teacher. Bruiser Brody said, what, five words? Yeah, and, and three of them couldn't understand. <laughs> and you were scared of them. Yeah. Stan Hansen the same way. You were scared of death to that crazy hillbilly. Well, there, there's a there's a story that Lex Luger tells when he was younger in, in Florida. He wouldn't wrestle Bruiser Brody because when he met Brody, it was in character. He never met Frank beforehand. And he Frank met Bruiser also, Brody, and they said that they're going. You're going to. I think Lex said he was in there like two minutes before he bailed out. He's like, "I'm done. This guy's going to kill me." He bailed out because <laughs> of the fact that he couldn't work. He couldn't handle it. Right, and, and he, he just didn't. As we said, he's like, "I just didn't understand what was going on." Well, all Frank was doing was testing him. Right. <laughs> didn't know. And obviously, Cooper didn't know shit. But it's, yeah, just a different cut of people. Now. It was what made the business interesting. It was what made the sport believable. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you look at guys like Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. Buzz Sawyer made you believe that he was a deranged nut job. Yeah. Athlete. 
Mad Dog Bashad, another guy that represented his country at the Olympics. It was never by watching him in the pros that Maurice was a uh, an Olympic wrestler. Yeah, a, a pure a, a pure wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and here, not to, I know we're a retro show, but not to go back, always go back 50, 60 years, because it does evolve. But you know, even guys as early as the mid 2000s, uh, the mid teens. Give me a example. Enzo Amore. Enzo Amore was a very modern wrestler, but again, he had command of the stick. He knew how to cut a decent promo. Yeah. He knew how to back it up with the way he sold in the ring. He just wasn't doing the same old stuff. Right. You know, Kobe Kingston, the same way. I loved it. Everybody and their uncle thought Kobe was going to make all these saves in the Royal Rumble, and he made one save for himself, and he got tossed. Mm. Why? Because you don't want it to become predictable. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, we know what the biggest surprise in the Royal Rumble for the guys was? There were no surprises. Yeah. Andrade. That was Everybody knew he was coming. Right. Everybody knew. There was no big wow factor. But, I mean, the real wow surprises or or the old school guys coming back, none of that was there. Nope. And, again, if Pat McAfee was supposed to take the place of of an old school legend coming back, well, they screwed up badly. I'd have rather seen Kurt Angle come back than Pat fucking McAfee. Yeah. Or maybe Bret Hart would come back. Well, anybody would Pat McAfee. I, I can't. I can't stand him. I, I doesn't he matter. Stick to college football and and call it a day. But it's not even that. It's you know, it gets down to the point where maybe they could have called up another kid from NXT, someone that would want to bust his ass. Maybe McAfee took MJF's spot. Who the hell knows? Right, yeah. Who knows? Or maybe he took, uh, maybe they could have brought back um, um, one of the, it could have brought back Rhino. They could have brought back Bully Ray. Guys, they got a working relationship with TNA now, right? They brought Mickey James in. Now they brought Jordan Grayson. Each one the knockouts champion. Each one wearing the belt. So, <laughs> Could they have brought in somebody from the guy's side of TNA? They could have. Yeah. But if they wasted that spot on Pat McAfee, they gave the fans absolutely nothing. You had a, you didn't have a 30 man rumble. You had a 29 man rumble. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. And you know, I, I think, and I, I, I graded it on Tuesday, and I stick by it. It, it was a it was a solid B plus show. Um, you know, I I thought it, overall, you know, everything you know went off well. I mean, kind of expecting Cody to win, and yeah. he wins. Not expecting Sam Punk to get injured. Um, right, he did get injured. Let's be honest, you know, Bill's not as young as springtime no more. No, no, he's not. No, um, but I, I do like you know, where they're headed, you know, when, when he comes back, you know, building that tension between him and McIntyre, um, that hatred that McIntyre has for him for kind of 
leaving leaving him all you know alone in the WWE after kind of traveling the road together. That's that's building something between two guys. Right. And it's now now with his injury, it's going it's going to take a little bit, which I think is great because he can run down CM Punk for four to five months. Right. In this time. And you know, if you thought his his return in Chicago was 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 big, Whaley comes back from his injury, and I hope they keep it unannounced, you know, and don't let it leak out when he comes back because that crowd will go berserk wherever I don't and I don't care where it's at in, in, in the country. They they will lose their mind. And that will probably be one of the hottest feuds coming back, you know, when, when Punk comes back and, and it's and it's him and McIntyre. I mean here, instead of Bronson Reed and Pat McAfee, I'd have rather seen the authors of pain and Paul Ellering come into the world into the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? They're believable. They're be- right, they're believable. Yeah. Bronson Reed looks like a pissed off Otis. <laughs> yeah. And Otis didn't do nothing. For anybody, no. nice guy, good worker for a big man, but again, not there. Right, and and I mean, where and and I, maybe I missed it because I mean I was half paying attention to men's men's Royal Rumble, but you know, Gallows and Anderson weren't in it. I don't believe. No, they weren't. There was two more spots that one of them, McAfee, you know, took up. And I again, bring almost back. You need a big guy so everybody can kind of team up on them. You know, Everybody it, was it, expecting Okada to yeah. come. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Yeah. And Brock Lesnar didn't happen. Well, 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 yeah, yeah. Lesnar's got other issues. Lesnar's in yeah. deep shit right now. Well, yeah, Vince and, and Laurinaitis. Right. Yeah, and, and we'll shift gears to that in a minute because um, there was something that I read about Laurinaitis um, just today um, that makes it even sicker. Yeah. I, don't even put those, I wouldn't even give these guys the satisfaction of airtime. There's no sense even putting them over. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, because, you know, I, he's trying to excuse what he did, and I'll just leave it at that. And no, there's no they're, excuse they're, for what he did. They're demented old perverts, and whatever the hell happens to them, they deserve it. Right. I'm just curious to see kind of how deep the cover up goes. It's not going to go. It's already done. Vince is like, out. Triple H. Yeah. Is running the show. Uh, what is it? Uh, TKO make sure of that shit. Um, you got The Rock now as executive vice president. Yep. Stephanie came back as brand as brand CEO, brand president. Watch, pretty soon Shane will come back. I don't hope be, so. Don't be McMahon's involved in WWE for many, many years. I, I think there has Just to be Vince McMahon involved. Right. And I like Shane. I always liked Shane, whether he was, whether I was cheering for him or wanting to, to choke his, you know. Shane behind the scenes is a hell of a nice guy. He reminds me of his grandfather. And I've heard that from a lot of people from a lot of different podcasts that I listen to. Of all of the McMahons, he inherited his grandfather's kind of personality, you know. Grandfather's class. Business, business smarts, you know, kind of how to, how to treat somebody. You know, they're more than just a number. They're more than just an employee. Vince was always a self-mark. Oh, Vince used yeah. to run around with, with, um, with uh, um, Dr. Jerry Graham pretending he was a freaking wrestler. Come on. <laughs> right. I'm with Vince. Right. And, and, and I like, you know, I, I listen to. Um, Compared to his father, Vince ain't nothing. Right. Vince Sr. 
Mr. Mm -hmm. McMahon was a man of respect and a man of honor. Vince never was. Right. Yeah. And and I listened to Stone Cold and Shane on Stone Cold's podcast. And, you know, growing up, you know, called a privileged life, whatever you want to, you know, call it. Um, he, he worked. I mean, he, you know, he, he worked, he, he, you know, he was working in, in his dad's where he, he, cause he had the attitude when he was younger, I'm, I'm going to run the business. And probably the only thing that his dad did right was start him at the bottom. You're in the mail room, you're, you're packing boxes, you're putting labels on stuff, you're shipping stuff. You're and, right. And then Shane had enough of that cause he didn't want to pay his dues. So he went out and he, he worked, he was, a, he was a, of all trades to try to break into he, he was a, a brick mason or at least a brick mm -hmm. mason's helper. Mm -hmm. He said he did. He, he said he did that for about two weeks and realized that humping brick and laying brick isn't for me. I'm going back to my dad's hot ass warehouse and I'm going to start packing boxes and, and moving mail around right. and worked his way up through the company, <laughs> setting up the ring, you know, as a referee, you know, everything to, to get to where he is. And I think that's why he has a lot of his grandfather's, Greg got him did his I mean, Burn made Greg haul the ring truck with George yeah. Gadaski and referee matches and all that other nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a big Greg Gagne fan, but you know, I, I respect the hell out of the guy. I really do. I put up a ring many times. Many times I was putting up a ring, taking down a ring. That's what you do. Yeah, that, that's that's how you do it. And on that, that's what um, Scott Hall was saying in one of his interviews. He, he had an opportunity to either stay in Florida. I think it was like $125 a week and you work once a week. And he's like, no, I, I have an offer in in like Oklahoma, Kansas, you know, tennis out that way. And it's $50 a night, you know, and it's three or four nights worth of work. And, and I don't know who he was with, but like, what? you're only making $25 more a week, but and you're going to travel. He's like, but I want to work. I need to learn. And that's what he, when he got to the arena, he was setting the ring up. He, right. he would, he would wrestle. He would break it down at the end of the night and he would go home all for 50 bucks. But he's like, but I learned, I learned how to, to be in the business and to work in the business. And he learned more from that. He said, than from almost anybody aside from Kurt Henning, he said he, who taught him a, a shit ton of stuff. Now where did Kurt one from? Where did he <laughs> Right. <laughs> And Harley. Right. I, I used to do that, you know, for uh, DWF. I, I used to go there early in the morning, help them set up, put the cameras up, everything. Yeah, but now. Yeah. And I didn't ask for a dime. Now, how many kids are showing up to indie shows? Okay. Uh, they don't even want to touch the freaking ring. No. Oh, I'm not doing that. What do you mean you're not doing that? Oh, yeah. uh, I'm here to work, man. There ain't no ring. There ain't no work. Right. And, right. and it, I, I did help ECWA set up the, the last Super 8 tournament. I went up early. I got up there about 9 o'clock. Um, the ring was almost all together by the time I got there because I got there at like 6 o'clock in the morning to set it up. So I was helping a couple of guys hang the banners around and setting setting chairs up and putting the, the VIP placards on, on the seats that people paid for front row and second row and all of that. And I'm working with these guys. And to me, they're part of the ring crew. Like I'm, I'm, I'm working, you know, I'm working along with these guys. Next thing I know, I, you know, everybody's starting to disperse. 
the crowd's coming in. I'm kind of just standing in the back. The guy that I was helping put the 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 banners up with now has a referee shirt on. And I'm like, I was just working with that guy. Third or fourth guy out. Now he comes out. And I can't remember who it was. I'm like, I was working with him too. But there wasn't many. Cha- yeah, you're right. There wasn't many that did. A lot of them came maybe an hour, hour and a half before bell time. And everything was already set and ready to go. And I'm like, they got where are all these guys at? Like, well, they got, they're there to pay their dues. You do that kind of stuff. Right. They, they're right. The guys that were there at 6 o'clock definitely paid their dues because it, 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 it's not easy. You know, it, it doesn't go up easy. And it's it's hard work. Well, you know, the funny part. It is. It is. One, one of the funniest parts is, and this is the only knock I have against um, the NWA, God bless them. They're giving a lot of younger indie talents uh, a chance to to be at on their stage. The problem is, you get these guys that'll they'll go under in one match at an NWA local show. Next thing you know, their price went up from twenty dollars to one hundred and fifty. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, they're a superstar. Well, bro, I got. Can I work for you? Yeah, what's your? What do you want? What do you need for the show? And the kid was a twenty-hour talent two weeks ago. Oh, I was on the NWA. I I, I need at least one hundred and fifty. Yeah, go home. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Why you worked one NWA show? You worked a buck and a half now. <laughs> to me, to me, you know, when I go shows like that, you know, the indie shows, I help them out and all, and I get a free ticket. You know, that's all. Yeah, that's 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 essentially what I got. I got a, I got a free indie and a, and a great show out of it. Right. You know, you I know? didn't I didn't ask for anything. I didn't. I, you know, I, I offered to pay yeah, my ticket, and, and the guy running says, "No, no, you, you helped out. You know, th- this one's on me." But she got respect from the promoter. Any real promoter would respect that. Right. Yep. And and honestly, I was I was doing it because I knew Brady was going to be there, and you know, I was actually meeting him there. Exactly. But so you know, who's running on? Still Joe Zanoli? Yeah, yeah. Joe's a great guy. I know he is. Joe's a real promoter, like Herb Simmons, like Greg Anthony, like Mike Beetle, like Rudy Gonzalez, like Nelio Castro down in Miami. These are real promoters, not some freaking hillbilly that got a uh, that cashed in a, a welfare check, rented a ring, but I'm I'm running. I'm running Pick Your Nose Wrestling Federation. Really, dude? And that's how, that's how I got in the ring. You know, by De- Dennis Corrido got me in the ring, okay, for the but first Dennis, time. Dennis was a real promoter. Dennis Corrido. I had some schmuck out in Cleveland uh, well over a year ago. Tried to book me. Okay, I gave him a stupid price because I... I knew he was working. He was a garbage show. He met it. Then he stiffed me on it. I didn't make the, I, the show got canceled. And I said, well, where's my deposit? Oh, shit. Oh, brother, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Yeah, I'm still waiting for it a year and a half later. <laughs> okay. The guy's garbage. Anybody that works for him is garbage. Right. You know, and my, my grandpa taught me a long time ago, you know, when I was probably 11 or 12, the only thing that you have in life that is really worth anything is your word. That's all you got. Yeah. 
you know, and if, and if you give somebody your word, tell them you're going to do something, you have to do it. You don't Al, have to like it, but you got to do it. Al Pacino and, and Scarface said it very colloquially. The only two things I have in this world are my word and my balls. And I don't right. work them for either for anybody. Right. <laughs> that's it. You know, that's all you have is, you know, I, because once your reputation goes to shit, you, well, I mean, look at, you know, they, they try to screw over Linda Newton with this new, with this other dark journey bullshit. Right. When they had the rock and rolls book down the show, Ricky Morton said, I'm done. I'm not coming. They wound up having to cancel the show. Rikishi wow. said, not coming. <laughs> I mean, come on. You got dark journey with a C. Right. I mean, what's next? Hulk Hogan with the C? Right, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, uh, Stone Cold with the K? And where does it end? Yeah. One joker one time tried to call himself Chaz Punk. Fucking Mark. <laughs> My first name is Bill's last name. I wow. showed up at the show. He ran out the back door because I was going to slap the shit out of him. <laughs> you don't infringe on my gimmick. Right. No, you, you, you can't. hard for my gimmick for 14 years to have anybody infringe on it. I'll slap the hell out of you. Well, somebody still my gimmick. I don't like it. You know, my name and all. And it's right, right. Down, on, it's right down on YouTube because I call myself Mr. Main Event. And look who's got the name now. Jay Uso. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a little mad at you, though, Rhett. Why? I lost a lot of money. You were supposed to be the freaking surprise and go over the rail. You didn't do it. Right. Oh. Well, he, now, he's... He, he, no, tell him no. the backstory. Right, right, what happened when you tried to interfere in the rumble? Go ahead. Tell him what happened. I was ready to go out, okay? I was ready to. All of a sudden, I got caught from behind by R-Truth. R-Truth cut him off, Chaz. Oh, you got he, cut he, off by R-Truth. What do you, what yeah. do you want? I mean... If our truth cuts you off, man, what, you know what are you going to do? I don't know. I, I would have probably went looking for little Jimmy. <laughs> but Chaz, I actually got a in the comments on callvoc.com. I got um, somebody asking what what state on the East Coast is best to work in, and then he says Florida, Pennsylvania, along the East Coast. Where where's a good place to to work? Here on the seaboard. I would go to, on the seaboard. I go to Pennsylvania. I go to ECWA. I, That's I, in Jersey now. Right, right in Morganville. Yes, sir. Even better, even closer to the ocean. I would go to. Um, I'd go work for if you want to work in Ohio in the eastern end of Ohio. I'd go work for Rick Lieb. Rick runs a good show. Uh, Mario and Paul run an excellent show in Connecticut at Paradise Pro. And then if you want to go further south on the on the board, um, yeah, go down to Miami, work for Nellio, work for uh, Coastal Championship Wrestling. They're running they're running shows that are packing them in down there. And uh, I, I went to a female show down in Florida in the Tampa area. It's uh, really, it's in the logo area. Where'd you go it's to Shine? It's called uh, Shine. Yeah, Shine is an offshoot of Shimmer. Lexi yeah. Black on Shine. It's a great show for the girls. I'll tell you what, they put on a good show. 
you know, again, Dave Prezak, who ran Shimmer for so many years, is now an announcer with GCW. But Dave, how many girls? Well, let's let's start counting how many girls that have been in the spotlight recently and over the years were Shimmer girls. Sarah Del Rey, Shimmer girl. Serena Deeb, Shimmer. Um, Asuka, Kana, Shimmer. Paige, Soraya, Shimmer. Her mother, Soraya Knight, Shimmer. Bailey was Davina Rose, Shimmer. Uh, Athena, Shimmer. Who else that went to Shimmer that we. Mandy Rose was a Shimmer girl. Shazza McKenzie, Shimmer. The Iconics, Bolton Shimmer. Nikki Cross, Shimmer. Wow. <laughs> Sarah Long. Wow. Who, Sarah Logan, who was Crazy Mary Dobson, Shimmer. Uh, I mean, you just, Heidi Loveless, Shimmer. I mean, you just take a look at the amount of female talent that's out there that were Shimmer girls. And, and they done this at the uh, the row house for the guy that makes his motorcycles and all. Big popular uh, guy. Uh, Orange County. No, yeah, no, Orange County. Yeah, That's right. Where they had it at. Yeah, no, Shimmer was run all over the place, but Shimmer's headquarters was in Berwyn at the Eagles Club, just outside mm -hmm. of Chicago. They ran. This was Shine. I'm tell you what, those girls. They asked me to come back. Well, Shine's the offshoot. Lexi Pipe runs Shine, along with Allison Danger. Allison Danger, Shimmer. Leva Bates, Shimmer. Nikki Cross. Was Nikki Storm Shimmer? I mean, it's, it as a if you're a wrestling fan of women's wrestling, not some not some demented perv that goes there to get your to get your rocks off at looking at girls. Uh, no, what happened was that my uh, stop making fun of um, boy Chaz. Oh, I'm not doing this. Okay. He said, oh, you want to go bike night? I said, yeah, why not, right? He made a date, right? And he said, guess what? My mom will take you over there and drop you off. There's girls in bikinis and all that other stuff. It's bike night. You're going to love it there, right? I said, I'm better off going to the casino, picking up an old lady, and, and spend her own money, <laughs> right? And all of a sudden, he looked on the calendar. He said, oh, you want to go to a female restaurant instead? I said, sure, why not? He took me over there. All of a sudden, we got in line in front of this uh, one beautiful girl. Her name is the ringmaster. She was a wrestler. She turned around. She said, you want a beer? I said, no, no, no. She said, come on, come on, have one beer. Okay, I'll have one beer, right? All of a sudden, my, 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 uh, my my uh cousin's uh, sons are here. Had two more. <laughs> I I got loaded that night. Uh huh. You know, and those girls and those girls kept on coming up to me. I took a couple pictures of some of them. They said we love you because we love your mustache. You look like the main main size of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you want them over, Rat? Well, you got to go back. You got to make a yes, uh, you do. appearance. Yes, I am going back. I'm going back in April. But again, they're, you know, those are proving grounds for these girls. 
Yeah. They do a showdown every every three to four weeks, they're saying. But I'm saying mm -hmm. take a look at places like that. Take a look at places like CCW. You take a look at Pro Wrestling Mid-South in Dyersburg, where they're running weekly. You take a look down in Louisiana for um, um, for Beatles organization, Gulf State Wrestling. They're running twice, three times a month with the Louisiana Athletic Commission in place. Oh, wow. These are, le these are legits. Wow. You know, you look at WAW out in England. They're running weekly, almost weekly. They're running three, four times a month. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these are places that you want to work. You don't want to work, you know, Joe Blow's wrestling promotion. Right. You don't even know if it's going to be there when you show up. <laughs> you don't even know if the doors are going to be open and the electric's going to be on. <laughs> or you get there and you're, you get there and there's 45 guys in the locker room and 12 people in the stands. <laughs> and you got the jack off promoter going, oh, bro, uh, uh, the house was done. Yeah, and? Right, and? And they give you that sob story. Can you help me out now and I'll take care of you the next time? You drew 12 people. You're not going to have the next time. Right, yeah, yeah. There is no next time. You know, but... You don't, you don't even have it this time. <laughs> at the risk of sounding, you know, ultra-negative, there are still very very much positive aspects of our sport, positive places in our sport. They're just harder to find. Right. Mm -hmm. Let me, um, let me bring on, um, Steve, Steve, what's going on, buddy? How are you? <clears throat> Doing good. And just have a rare Thursday off. Ch Chaz, Steve was the one that was asking about, you know, working along the East coast. Oh yeah. Steve, how you doing, bud? Uh, doing good. Just, good. uh, how's the judo treating you? Oh, that's fine. I was I was doing a class earlier. Um, uh, one of the other questions I wanted to ask was, what do you think about the ranking system and win and loss records in AEW? Like, do you think that should be more consistent, or do you think they are they're too loose with it? Should be eliminated. Yeah. Nonsense. How are you going to win and lose in a sport in which the booker can tell you thirty seconds before you go through the curtain that the finish has changed? Mm -hmm. I mean, what what's the criteria? Is every is every match going to be a, a time limit match? You'll have three judges that'll grade you on the quality of your moves. You know, like they do in figure skating or gymnastics. If that's the case, okay, then wins and losses mean something. But otherwise, it's wrestling. Mm -hmm. It's predetermined. I had a buddy of mine came over to watch the Rumble, and he says, uh, bro, you want to bet on the Rumble? On what? <laughs> on who's going to come out and who's going to win? No. <laughs> well, why not? It's only like a dollar a pot because it's stupid. Right. It's predetermined. How are you going to bet on something that, that's fixed? Yeah, I remember there was talks way back about um, – about doing that actually by opening that possibility i don't know which app but they did it for a little bit i mean wrestlemania 3 had odds they had odds on hogan and andre do you know why they had a spread on hogan and andre 
because they didn't know what Andre was going to do. Oh, yeah. Even Hogan said okay? that. Nobody knew what Andre was going to do. So, yeah, you had, you had Hogan as a slight favorite over Andre. And they also had a, a crazy odds. They had like 10 to 1 on it going time limit draw because you knew it wasn't going to go draw. But Andre could have pinned Hogan, held him down, then what? Win the title right then and there. So, I mean, but it's nearly impossible to gauge one loss records on. They seem to. They seem to reset it. They seem to reset it every year. Do you think that's dumb, or do you think that's a good idea? It's dumb. They don't do it in boxing. So you go. Let's say you go twenty twenty three. You you just start out as a boxer, and you go one and three, with one KO. Okay, so you have one win, three losses, and one knockout. Got You mean to tell me in twenty twenty five you're back to zero and zero? Hmm. Yeah. If that's what you're basing it off of, even MMA, they don't reset their win their win loss records. Yeah, even uh, I've listened to some other journalists talking about how the rankings uh, sometimes don't make sense. Like FTR is not ranked in the top five tag teams, and Young oh. Bucks neither. Or they were talking about the win loss records being reset every year. It was just kind of interesting. So I, I figured it out. Yeah, it was. It, it's. It's. Doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. Even the Japanese don't do that. They have their right. and when they have their tournaments, they have points within the tournament. Okay, we get that part, mm-hmm. but they don't have win loss records for a lifetime, win loss records for a year. They don't base their rankings based off of that. I mean, you know, you you have your you'll have your what your winter tournament and your summer tournament. And those guys that are higher up that do well in those tournaments actually are higher ranked than other guys are. Oh, that makes sense. But that's based off of sumo rankings, not based off of one loss records. Mm-hmm. Sumo rankings, sumo rankings are the same way, and they don't reset every year. I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, I think sumo resets every five years. So you can be you can be a yokozuna. But if you don't hold that rank for a certain number of years, you lose it. Yeah, resets, yeah. Um, another question I wanted to ask was, uh, what do you do? You think Okada's WWE bound? Because I, I seem to think it's going that way with the pro wrestling tees merchandise being pulled. And do you, what, what, do you think WWE, what do you think WWE should do with Okada? With Okada? Push him yeah. to the moon? Yeah. Do you think he needs a manager, though? Like like he used to have with Ghetto in New Japan? Depends on a manager. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody out there, with the exception of MVP, that has that Gary Hart quality? Because mm-hmm. that's you need to manage a Japanese wrestler. And if you're it, an American MVP, manager, you, gotta have that, you have to have that Gary Hart quality to manage you, a Japanese wrestler. You 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 uh, were all, you I think you're on something with MVP because he he knows that Japanese style very well. He's the only one. He's the only true. He's the only pure manager that WWE has right now, other than Ellering. Ellering would could manage Okada easily. Okada mm-hmm. wouldn't have to say a damn thing. Let Ellering yeah. do the talk. 
But yeah, I, I think you know if if that happens, if they sign Okada, you're right. I think he's got to he's got to be pushed, you know, all the way to the top and and you know beyond if that was possible. Again, yeah, I think I, he should get the AJ Styles treatment and skip NXT for sure. Absolutely, Warren. I'll say it again: the brand split is stupid. Yep, two titles is stupid. How could mm-hmm. you be a world champion? And yet your title is inferior to the universal champion. It's just plain stupid. Mm-hmm. One title has to mean more than the other. And if it's if there, there should only be one top champion in a promotion. It also defeats the purpose of the secondary titles, too. Agreed. If you have two world titles. Yeah. The intercontinental sense. title means that that champion defends across many different continents. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you have a North American champion, like we do at WAW North America, that champion can defend in any of three countries, including and then the Caribbean. Okay. But why would you need a U.S. champion in the same promotion as a North American champion? You just don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. The U.S. champion was always in the NWA, a North American champion was always a Mid-South regional title. Yeah. Okay, it was not uh, um, a true North American championship. It was a Mid-South regional title. So do you need a U.S. champion and a North American champion? To me, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think they just, I think the bigger companies just have two big rosters. Two well, bigger rosters, yeah. I'll put it up to you guys. I think, and let me know what you think, I think the title should be flip-flopped. I think the North American title should be defended on the main roster, and the U.S. title should be the NXT secondary title. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that idea. Sorry, Absolutely. repeat that again. I said, I think, in my opinion, I think that the North American title should garner more prestige by its very definition, and be defended on the main roster across both shows, whereas the U.S. title should be defended regionally in NXT. Yeah, I mean, the only thing the U.S. title has going for it is its is lineage, if you count WCW, but yeah, I think North American title just sounds better too on paper and again the north american title has a lineage dating all the way back to the mid-1970s in in mid-south yeah it's interesting i mean the u.s title was created in different areas of the country i mean there was a detroit version that bobo brazil held then there was a mid-atlantic version then there was texas version i mean it's all different versions of the united states title but if you're going to have both I think you should have the North American be the more prestigious of the two again it's just my opinion no it makes sense I mean uh, I don't even know who's the US champion right now is it Logan Paul I believe Logan Paul Logan Paul yeah yeah. like I said the kid's doing a hell of a job he's believable He's he's good in ring. Like I actually impressed with his technical wrestling, but it feels like he's another Roman Reigns. But the uh, the secondary title, 
but his, psych- there every week. his psychology is for a guy that didn't have a nepotistic pedigree or didn't have a family background in the business. His psychology is nothing short of an idiot savant. He knows how to work. He knows how to drag people in. Mm-hmm. Can't say that a lot of guys. Right. And, and he's doing, you know, whether, whether you hate him or not, he's doing a very good job, yeah. you know, with, with, with his limited experience mm-hmm. in the business. The E in recent years has not done well with Japanese wrestlers. They just have it. They don't know how to market them. They didn't do well with Michinoku, who was a great talent. They didn't do well with Tichiri, who they could have who could have been a, a killer heel. They wasted Nakamura. I mean, let's go back to Nakamura's matches with Bobby Roode at NXT. Those were main event matches anywhere in the world. They ruined yeah. Nakamura. Yeah, yeah, they I were paid. fantastic. Yeah, I I had my family and I like go and get like floor seats for that for that match. They had that the one in Toronto had that big fight feel to it, mm-hmm. but they ruined Nakamura. He's he's still around, but he's not what it was. I felt like they sacrificed him to you know push uh, gender for the India push, and then yeah. recently they don't want to get the title off Rollins. I think. Rollins and Nakamura is some of Nakamura's best work in recent years, but agree. Yeah. I mean, you take a look at what they're doing on the girls' side. Okay, I mean, you know, Asuka is still there, but mm-hmm. Asuka right now isn't the uh, the mysterious killer she was when they first brought her in. Mm-hmm. They made her very cartoony. Great worker, but too comedic. I, I hope that. Uh... I hope that U.S. guy gets the match with Bailey because I think on paper it sounds good. Right, and, and U.S. guy's another one. They they never let her fully explore the character that she started out in stardom and in Japan. I mean, she's so limited to what she's allowed to do. Yeah, I, I mean. I feel like EO and, and Bailey are miscast. I think they're just very likable, but I think Bailey is going to be more the fan favorite going in if, if they do do that match with the. Wow, what I thought would have been an interesting, what I thought would have been an interesting addition to the Royal Rumble when they were talking about who was going to be the surprises, and even though she's a stone rookie, strictly based on their history, I thought Izzy Moreno would have been an excellent addition to the Rumble. Oh, because of her, her well-documented fanship toward Bailey, mm-hmm. and the fact that she's now in the business. Yeah, there's a story there. Like if, uh, I mean, I'm glad that they didn't bring in the Rock's daughter because she's not ready. Okay. Yeah, they they seem to put her in a GM uh, role lately. Yeah, in NXT. Yeah. I mean, she's not ready. She's not ready in the ring. No. He may never be ready. Okay, Noelle Foley wasn't ready. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think she got hurt, too. What? She got hurt because she didn't know how to bump. Probably, yeah. Okay. Problem between, the difference between her and her old man is he didn't know how to bump either, but he played <laughs> through the pain. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a uh, Japanese wrestlers in the E 
over the years have always been wasted. Tiger Mask, wasted. Tenuru, wasted. Ultimo Dragon. Ultimo Dragon, yeah. wasted. I mean, you would just hope that they wouldn't do that, that they're not going to do that to Okada. But the history seems to indicate otherwise. Yeah, and going back to, to um, you brought up Tajiri earlier, I thought he could have been a real good kind of crazy kind of, you know, Japanese, like deranged, you know, wrestler. And mm-hmm. they, it just never developed it. It had flashes of it. It had moments where it looks like, oh, he, he he's going to go berserk. And then it, it just never happened. Why did they bring in Muda in 93? That's that's yeah. That's why I want to. That's why I was asking. Taker was starting up in '93. They didn't bring Muda in. When when Taker faced uh, Shinzaki and Michinoku Pro, like I thought that would have been the perfect time period to to do an Undertaker Muda match, even if it was just a one off, no build, cold match. I thought that would have been cool on paper, but I guess it depends on the politics. But I mean, you know, give Vern Gagne credit for for Super Clash One in '85. He brought in Tenyaru. He brought in Tenyaru. Um, Baba and uh, Jumbo Saruta in a six man. Nice. Yeah, he was. He had respect, you know. <clears throat> Vince never, Vince never respected the Japanese wrestlers. He never did. His old man did. He didn't. You know, just like Vince never respected masked wrestlers, the exception of Bill Eady who was still doing the mass superstar gimmick back in 83, 84, yeah. before it became demolition. Uh, I, th- I think it's very telling that... Uh, Vince had no right, for mass wrestlers. No. Yeah, Jushin, I feel like uh, the closest we got was Jushin Liger and NXT, but obviously Triple H was behind that brand. Agreed. The closest you got to it was Ray Mysterio, of, mm-hmm. a, of, a, of a masked wrestler, a lucha that was respected, was Ray. But, you know, Maybe. again, ask some of these kids. Would, you're the rarity, Steve, because you study. But ask some of these kids who know Mascaras was. Yeah. El Psychedelico. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ask them who uh, Black De- uh, Blue Demon was. Blue Demon Jr. Piroff. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, they might know Vampiro. Right. But they're not. The education's lost. And it's sad. Because there were so many great workers down in Mexico that that traveled in and out of the States here and there, you know, working think, the workers, like you said. That, that's the one thing I like about AEW. Even though I, I kind of have wrestling fatigue lately, the international relationships have been uh, really uh you know, fostering over there. Like, uh, they, you have CMLL and AAA working with one group, which is such a rare thing. Right. You, know, you would never see the, those Problem ten, is, two rosters on one card. Problem is, AEW is just wasting talent all over the board. They're yeah, wasting sure. their own talent as well as the international talent. They're, they're a rudderless ship right now. Who's who's the biggest offense? You think is it Wardlow or, or somebody else? I I I still think that I still think that Tony Khan should stay out of the out of the uh, the creative side. Mm-hmm. I don't think he knows what the hell he's doing. You want to own the promotion 
you want to be the promoter, go ahead. But you're not the you're not a matchmaker. And if you're going to listen to Cape Side Report and Dave fucking Meltzer for your recommendations <laughs> on how to make matches, you're you're gone. Well, I mean, even even I was listening to Dave recently. He even said that the the rankings don't make sense either, but especially the tag teams like FTR not being ranked. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, you have one of the one of the best tag teams. What of what I'll call the modern era, and they're not even on your radar. How are they not even on your radar? On the top five, yeah. Yeah. How how are they not? How are they not top two or three? Mm-hmm. You know, forget top five. How are they not even closer to the top? And you know what exactly. separates what separates AEW from ROH now? Can you tell me what's distinctive about ROH and AEW? Because as as a fairly casual AEW fan, I don't see it. Yeah, I'm a casual fan, and and I don't I don't understand it either. I mean, is ROH their version of Two Hundred Five Live? It, or, it seems to be a, a farm league, or, or guy, you know, people. That, I mean, that's what it looks like. Yeah, I, I think yeah, there, there's not an there's not enough of a distinction or or a hard line between the two. You know, it's it's you know. Yeah, I mean, put them on the AEW shows too. You know, and guys that they that they put to the moon that may or may not have deserved it, and again, it wasn't entirely their fault. A case in point, though, um, Orange Cassidy. They've ruined him. Making him do that stupid hands in your pockets gimmick because they <laughs> yeah. thought it funny doesn't do shit for him. Gotta love pockets. Love pockets. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, like he, he, he wasn't doing that when he was uh, an amateur when I used to watch him in the independent shows. Yeah, some of Black Label Pro. But he weren't. And it kept right. good. But right, they right. They're killing him. Another example. Why hasn't Darby All In turned on Sting? Should have happened months ago. You know the heat they would have generated with Sting versus Darby All In? Yeah. Okay. That would have been phenomenal. That- they dropped the ball on that one, didn't they? That would have been a moneymaker probably for an entire year. Or longer. Or longer. Now you get Sting having his last match. If he hasn't already had it, he's got Sting having his last match. And does anybody really give a shit? No, I mean, I, I love Sting. You know, I, I, you know, I followed his career. I, I know, I know it's coming out. I think it's in March. I could be wrong though. I think it's March-ish kind of time frame. Against whom? I want. I want to say the Young Bucks is the rumor. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Him, sure. him, him and Allen, against oh. it, which doesn't make sense. So him and Darby Allen against the Young Bucks. I, I mm-hmm. think. I, I could be wrong. I think it's because um, they have an undefeated tag team streak. And, like, if they if they do win the titles, that makes the match even bigger against Young Bucks. Yeah, but then again, here. Now, you again, you opened up the curtain for no reason. If it's Sting's last match... He ain't going to win the title. 
Nope. I mean, yeah, you could have Young Bucks cost them the match too to build up to to their match. Right. But I'm just saying is though, again, open the curtain some more as if they haven't exposed the business enough. Right. Yeah. It's it's Sting and Darby Allen with Ric Flair versus the Young Bucks in a no disqualification match, and it says this will be Sting's retirement match. Okay. That's an AEW Revolution. And that's March 3rd, 2024 in Greensboro. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know players are getting involved then. Right. But, I mean, yes, we do. But, I mean, it's, I don't know. Again, would I rather have seen Sting against some, in a singles match, against some kid? Sure. Again, Darby seems to be the logical choice. I bet that. You want to draw? You want to have Ric Flair's old ass trot you out? Go ahead. That's fine. My my only guess is maybe Sting requested this match because he probably thinks he can do better in a tag team match in a single yeah, match. Yeah, the best of Tony Khan cried and cried like they always do. You Tony, we've been with you since the beginning. We were the executive vice president. We were there before you were there. We need this match. Shut up, the two of you. <laughs> hey, honestly, shut up. Kids suck before AEW, they still suck. Again, being pushed down your throat. I give them a lot of credit. Okay, it took balls to put your own money up and sell out an arena like they did with the very first all in. Okay, that, that took stones. Yeah, no, it, it does. Um, again, not taking anything away from them. I just, there's nothing appealing about them that, that, that makes me want to watch them. They're not watching for me. They're not watchable. Nope. Another tag team in tights. Yeah. But the problem is, and again, maybe we wouldn't feel this way if we didn't know so much of what happens behind the scenes. Right. That's right. The problem. You know, the difference between, I'll give you a case in point. All right. Nobody knew what Andre was going to do in WrestleMania 3. But the difference between then and now is none of us knew that. None of us knew that, that there was meetings behind the scenes. Hogan was worried. Vince was worried. Andre was laughing all the way to the bank about it. No one knew that. Right. No one knew that Kerry Von Erich was so friggin' unreliable that the NWA couldn't wait to take the belt away from him. Okay, they never told the fans what went on behind the scenes. Now, like you said, you've got promoters out there that are, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, uh, and it's like, it's stupid. Because again, the internet fan is always, with very few exceptions, is not asking who's going to win, who's going to lose. Who are they going to give it to? Right. Honestly, if I'm giving you something, then it's not a sport. You're not earning it, are you? It's not a competition anymore. Steve, let me ask you a question. When you go into a judo competition, right? Mm -hmm. When the boys are in the back at a judo competition and they're talking a little bit, I know there's not a lot of talking that goes on in those locker rooms, they're not talking about who the promoter or who the uh, 
the sanctioning body is going to give the gold medal to, are they? <laughs> there is tournaments, uh, key tournaments, where it is kind of questionable. Or like if you have a Brazilian uh, referee, that that that's the most politics I've ever heard. But yeah, it's it's you know it's fair. But they're not telling the fans about it. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're not going on the internet the night before going, well, uh, make sure you come to our tournament tomorrow because uh, you never know, so-and-so uh, and so-and-so are probably going to win the titles. Really? Right. Right. It, it, There's and, no hotline and, news. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, here, and here's how ignorant, I guess, I was as a kid, and right, ignorant right, right. in a good way, that, you know, I used to watch, um, especially when cable came out, I would watch the NWA um, usually came on about 12 or one o'clock on a Saturday, you know, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Magnum TA, Wahoo McDaniel, they were all out there doing their thing, you know, and then at, as, as the match is ending, they're running all the credits, the director, this, that, blah, 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 executive producer, lighting, blah, 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 blah. To me, they were just credits. And, you know, I recognized, you know, Jim Crockett's name and David Crockett's name because they were tied to the promotion. So I kind of figured they were, they were higher up. And then, you know, executive producer Virgil Runnels came across. And I'm like, I don't even know who that dude is. Like, what does he do? <laughs> I had no idea. And it took me until really the internet. I'm like, oh, that was Dusty Rhodes. Like, uh, he was like. Challenge coordinator, Grizzly Smith. Right. I, I, I had no idea. Like, I'm like, oh, that's who that is. Speaking the of ones, the only ones that blurred that line and kind of exposed it, and we didn't care, was world class championship because you knew Fritz ran the, the right. They didn't hide it, and you knew he pushed his kids to the moon, right? But they didn't always. Yeah. You 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 led to my next question was did you guys see the Iron Claw movie I, I think Howard has and what, yes. do, you, what do you guys think about I, it not I saw it, it was no, not me since my amputation and I've been wheelchair bound and stuck in my apartment so I haven't had a chance to get out to the movies I've only been out okay. since November twenty second and that was to go to a doctor's appointment so I have it, I'm waiting for it to come on Max I have not seen it and, yet and I think it comes out in March. Late March or April to be all max. I will say this though: uh, they didn't use all the brothers because there was one brother they didn't use that also passed away. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting choice that they combined him with Michael, you know, as like one character. Um, I I thought the movie was it was pretty good. It was pretty heavy, which I knew going in was going to be. Um, it seems like a lot of women who just like Zac Efron or didn't know wrestling were interested. Uh, just from what I've seen on online, um, I think I think it's interesting. And do you think there should be more movies about wrestling families like uh, The Rock did with Paige? But um, I think it's too soon to do a grand family movie. But like, there's there's so many wrestling movies I think that are on the table that just haven't been done. Why does no, it? I, I, a group, and you know, it doesn't really have to be a family. Why not do a movie about the Freebirds? Yeah. Well, Crazy bastard. Yeah, I think that was the closest they got was doing the Siren Claw because there was Freebird scenes, but yeah. Um Sano doing an actual movie about the Freebirds, crazy fools. Yeah, I think they're yeah. in Highlander at one point. That would hold interest. Yeah, and, and I mean I, I, I saw it, I you know, listen, it, it's you know, it's it's Hollywood, so it is sensationalized a little bit, but I think they did a very good telling 
Um, I thought it was done very, very well. Um, and then, you know, the actors themselves, you know, working with Chavo Guerrero, I mean, it really, you could tell that they, you know, talking about guys that want to learn. These actors were learning, you know, this sport and, and how to do it. And, and they did it very, very well. And, and you know, I, I think they, they learned a lot from Chavo Guerrero because of who he is. And again, you know, who taught Chavo. He also taught- worked with, he also worked with the Glowcast as well for Netflix, I believe. Yeah, he oh, did. did he? I believe I so. That. One of the Guerreros, one of the Guerreros yeah. did, I believe. And his brother Mondo was the trainer for Glow. Period. When Glow was first yeah. front. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, there was there was legitimacy there as well. I mean, right. It, and it added legitimacy to the movie to know that you know, these guys are, you know, quote unquote, doing their own stunts. I mean, you know, and, and it worked. Could they do? A, probably not while he's alive. Well, could they do a, a, a biopic about Ric Flair? Sure you can. Sure, yeah. Look at the story. It started out at the Tennessee orphanage, that notorious yeah. orphanage that was selling babies. Yeah. Luckily, he got sold to a rich family right. in Minnesota, a doctor in, in a school, and a, and a college professor. Yeah. You know. Could have been a lot um, better. Yeah, what what I did like about the movie was the the actor that played Michael. I thought all of his scenes were great, especially when he was uh, post shock treatment or post uh, shock syndrome, like when he was kind of breaking down. Like the only the only my only nitpick was some of the casting choices. Like I thought Zac Efron looked more like Carrie, and the guy that played Carrie looked more like uh, Kevin. But that was just a minor nitpick. And then yeah, um, I thought the Bruiser Brody actor was too short. But other than that, I thought it was, it was Flair, pretty all overall good. good. I saw the clips of the guy that played Flair. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's probably the one kind of negative, you know, that I would say about it. But other than that, I mean, overall, it, it, it was it was really done really, really well. And I, so when it, when it comes out on streaming, you know, um, I would, you know, encourage everybody to watch it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to watch love- it. Yeah, I love the uh, Harley race scenes. I think were pretty good. Like the guy that they got Harley, the the play Harley was pretty good. I thought. Yeah, it was, it was done really, really well, and and I'm, and I'm happy that it was done. But yeah, like you said, I mean, there's so many that you know you could do that would be interesting. You know, the Free Birds would definitely be interesting. You know, Ric Flair. Oh, for sure. Would you know definitely you know um, oh, be an interesting story for sure. Mm-hmm. And very especially, watchable, especially because Flair almost died three times. Like that's really <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. Not not even not even Hollywood. This this is legit. Died three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movie about Owen Hart, where the last scene is him getting ripped up. Right. Yeah, and then it just fades to black after that. Yeah. You know, black yeah. plane. Don't worry, I'll be right down. Right, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way. Or you know, three, two, and then before they get to one, the movie, the movie ends. It cuts out. You know, you hear right. it There's a lot of things you can do. Yeah. Wrestling is a is a fairly wrestling again when the story is told correctly is a fairly universal story. Absolutely, and yeah, yeah, and so many people can, like you said, can can relate to it. If if it's done if it's done right. Mm-hmm. 
There's like oh. the, uh, that, that one uh, called The Wrestler. Mm -hmm. that, that was pretty good, you know? Mickey Rourke, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the yeah. director that made that movie, he's made some really good movies as well, like Before The Wrestler, uh, Darren Aronofsky or something like that. Yeah, Aronofsky's an excellent director. But again, credit Mickey Rourke for bringing in that... Uh, bringing in that psychology and that vibe of what it's like to have been a world champion that's now relegated to the Indies and trying to yeah. scratch out a living because he wasn't smart with his money when he was on top. Right. And, yeah. And, and, and how much of that would not only resonate with, you know, the wrestling community, but people in general that were, you know, at one point, you know, on, on top of the world and, you know, through circumstances of their own or not, they're no longer the top, on top of the on top of the world anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, every I think everybody can relate to at in some point in some part of that movie to Mickey Rourke at some point in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. well, it was funny because it was about the movie came out about what three four years before I actually got in the business. I mean, if you take a look at some of the downsides in that movie that were presented, you really want to get into business. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, my man, and my man was in it, and uh, I took the movie there, and Andrew Anderson signed the movie for me. Oh, that paintiness. <laughs> yeah. I love Andy. You can tell my city a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you look at the scene where they were at the at the autograph signing. That was sad. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it was. They were just, you know, now down on their luck. They were once on top of the game, falling asleep at the merch tables. Yeah, I heard. Wasn't there? That, that well, was, yeah. <laughs> and that was definitely not a, an advertisement for, come on out and join the Indies. Right. So you want to be a wrestler? Watch this movie. It'll get you pumped up. <laughs> but then again, the business is not for everybody. Right. Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not for everybody. Hey, Chad, I got a good one for you. Okay. Here you go. Would you make your own movie about wrestlers? You <laughs> could do it. What do you mean? A movie about me? The Chad story. He's got to find, uh, find a money guy. I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> You know, make a movie about all these needs, wrestlers, you know. He needs to be on top. By by the time by the time the movie hits, you'd be having your leg back. You'll all be dead. Right. <laughs> so so Rappel, who would play Chaz Moretti in the movie? Oh good lord, here we go. <laughs> um Rappel, <laughs> uh, I'm only fifty six years old, so right, right. Keep it in mind. Al Pacino. Don't say don't tell us. No, 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 no. The only guy that remind me of his face, okay, had to be Henry Wrinkler, the Fonz. Wrinkler was my grandfather's age, for Christ. Right, right. He's, he's in his 80s. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, really? You want me to really tell you? Yeah. All right. I would say, okay, shave the mustache, shave the beard and all. I'm going to say Austin Theory. 
Austin Theory as Chaz Moretti. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is a thought. There you go. See? See, we got the wheels turning, Chaz. See, there you go. Yeah. Or as Adam Pierce used to like to say, who books this shit? <laughs> we can't, listen, I can't make this stuff up. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, be funny, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, Jimmy Fallon, but, you know, he's too funny, you know? I thought you were going to go Ben Affleck or something or, you know, somewhere along them lines. Uh, 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 and maybe uh, Paul Logan. <laughs> Logan Paul? I think Logan we got to stop. Yeah, Logan Paul, you know, maybe Pat McAfee. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Right. Pat McAfee in the Chaz Moretti story. Yeah, okay, Rat Boy, you're not on the list. <laughs> I hate to bring this down, but we, you know, try, let's try to wrap up on a high note <laughs> and, and wrap this up. We're, we're coming to the end of the state, you know, pulling into the station and oh, thank ready God. to get, get out of here. Rappel, you got anything going on? Oh, uh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relax for a couple weeks, you know, just to hang out, but, you know. WrestleMania is coming here to Philadelphia, the next pay-per-view event right here in the USA. Yeah, tickets on sale now, fifteen hundred a pop. Right, get get them while they last. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I got a I got a plug actually. Yeah, guys, you were going next. What you got, brother? Uh, tomorrow night, uh, RVA Pro Wrestling. There's going to be a, a bar show in Richmond, Virginia, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, know a lot of the guys involved, so. Um, and then I got one more question for Chaz. Uh, yep. What do you What did you think about Brad Armstrong? Was he the most underrated wrestler ever, besides Bobby Eaton? He was one of them. Yeah. yeah. And Brad Armstrong was extremely underrated, as was Mike Graham, as was Bobby Eaton, as was Rick Martel, Tony Gurria. But yeah, Brad Armstrong was definitely underrated. And and that that show that I mentioned earlier, it's at Hardywood in Richmond, Virginia. So I'm definitely looking forward to RVA Pro Wrestling. And uh, thanks for having and me. And guess out. what? I come down the trip for my cousin because my cousin is going there tomorrow. So you leave me tomorrow. Darn it! I turn it down. Wow. That doesn't I, I I catch the next one. How see is you that? next time. See you next time at the matches. Like the there's a lot of yeah. Yeah. Right. you spent it all down there, didn't you? Huh? So you spent all your money down in Florida, didn't you? You're broke. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just tired. No, no, My no. cousin paid for everything. My cousin paid for everything because I I helped her out. You know, good. I had a good time. That's good. good. Chad, you got anything coming up, brother? Tonight, other than the fact that. Uh, Looking forward to my next appointment on the 19th of February. Getting this process uh, continuing to roll. Other than that, I'm good. All right. All right, guys. Well, thank you for coming out. We'll be right back here next Thursday at 8 o'clock. Um, hope to see you all back here. Thanks for a great show. Um, thanks for helping out. And don't forget, Tuesday nights uh, in the room with Brady Hicks, 7.30 to 9.30. Got a lot of good things coming up. A um, couple of guests getting booked on. Um, so, you know, we're going to want to look forward to that. But until next week, guys, everybody have a great night. Bye-bye, everybody. Hey, this is Total Package. Lex Luger, you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. VOC Nation's own Stro Maestro. 
suffered a major medical and financial catastrophe this year. From the VOC Nation family, to all of you, please continue to pray for Stro Maestro for his continued recovery. You can also donate to his cause, paypal.me slash palpastro. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you know Ray there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, pregnant. I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stein of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts, and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Frisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hick, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Paul Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my... Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect is? Well, I'll is? tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... Well, what's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was an early champion. You know? Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. Here's Bill After, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it the loss. Did didn't have anything to do Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. 
Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation.